Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Good, good, good. Cool, man. All right. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Oh, hello. I'm Eduardo. And uh, yeah, man, I can't believe we're approaching the end, the end of, of this um, first season. And it's been such a good, good, good year of just all, all information um, coming to the forefront to be able to describe all this to an, uh, an audience like the way we have has been an honor. And I know that, um, you know, we'll, we'll discuss more about what's coming in the, in the second uh, season next week. But uh, I think with, with this week, the topic that's been chosen, um, it's so, it's not just so on point, but it's so important to um, open up the floor to this, to this conversation. Because as we come to the end of this first season, I feel like my hat's off to you as always for, for bringing this up, you know, because I know that we can really expand on this. I know that as I was reading about this topic, um, and I never say what the topic is. I always start talking about what the topic is, but I never say what the topic is. And then I put it at the end and I'm just notorious for doing that. Um, but, uh, the topic that we'll be talking about today, um, is known in, in the Christian, um, religion as the the four horsemen of the apocalypse from the new testament right um and so we're going to go ahead and and go into its origin and also those who have done a a really good job at deciphering what these four horsemen of the apocalypse really are between emmett fox who we talked about um with the golden key and then of course manly p hall which i thought was a very interesting um approach on on the book of revelations. Um, so yeah, when you, when you told me about this topic and we said, let's go ahead and go for it, you know, I really kind of had to like take a step back and really understand which way would we break this down. And then I realized like, you know, this could, this could be a whole series if we wanted to make it, uh, if we wanted to make it so, so I'll, I'll end up asking you a lot of questions about it. Um, we'll, we'll describe each horse and we'll describe, um, what the really, the real meaning behind each of the horses are and were always meant to be and how it's sort of been interpreted for, uh, other religions as, um, you know, the, the end, but as we already said, it's the, the end is the beginning, you know, so it's not something to be so, uh, so down about. So, um, Hope that's a good enough introduction. That's all I got for you. Um, I'm gonna let you take it away from here, man. And and let's go ahead and talk about the Book of Revelations. Let's talk about its origin. Let's talk about all of it, man. I'm I'm excited because this again is a very very big topic, and I know a lot of people know something of this, but right. Let's go ahead and give them a little bit more of the real meaning behind it. Great. Yeah. No. Perfect. Because, you know, we are dealing dealing with anything biblical is going to have some misconceptions to it because we right. don't really analyze the Bible like we're supposed to, you know, the, and that's going to be really, as we're approaching the second season, we're really going to be looking to break down aspects of the Bible because there's so much hidden knowledge within the Bible. So if we can understand the symbolism, 
the lessons are infinite. Mm-hmm. So you approach a, a biblical story at one point in your spiritual development and it you you pull away what you need to pull away. And then you come back around maybe months later, years later, and you can read the same story and you can grab out an entirely different spiritual insight that's kept within this book. And that's that's mainly because of how the book was written. So the book is written completely as a symbolic text, right? It's kind of like a personal allegory and it's really the story of you, which is difficult for modern Christians who kind of live in the exoteric aspect. Right. Right. And this is, it's almost challenging to them at first until they actually start looking and reading the Bible and really trying to actually start to deciphering what this, what these various texts, the 66 books in the Bible are really trying to allude to. So we're not really looking to approach a synthesis on the Bible today. We're not even really approaching the entire book of Revelations because that's right. gonna that's gonna be a whole other series of podcasts in itself. So you did a great job because we are just gonna focus on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And one of the reasons why we're doing this is it corresponds perfectly with the that whole program of alchemy that we just went through. And through that lens, and why we wanted to kind of end the first season with a really in-depth look at alchemy, which we still, even though we devoted seven hours to it, and then another seven hours of kind of addendum material in between those weeks, we can honestly say we didn't even roughly scratch the surface. Mm -hmm. You know, like the nail didn't even like penetrate the surface. It's such a deep subject. So we still, you know, we have so much more to go with alchemy, but what we're going to see is just by having that, that common language and understanding the process of alchemy we're going to open up an understanding of the Bible now that we've maybe never been able to truly approach like we are, because the Bible is an alchemical text. It's the it's the trans- transformation from Genesis to Revelations, and that's what we're going through, and that's the process we're going through. So we're really kind of approaching this today just to really look at the four horsemen, because it's really impossible to talk about the end of the story without talking about the beginning of the story, right. because there's no context, right? So we are going to have to go back to Genesis we are going to have to deal with the first apocalypse, which is in the Old Testament, which is in the book of Daniel. And then we're going to kind of come back through and kind of make our way back to Revelations. But through this process of kind of looking at the four horsemen, it's going to be like a little teaser right. of what we're going to kind of uncover with um, our kind of our biblical studies. And, you know, right off the bat, we want to look at the Bible in the aspect of one, the language that it was written in, right? So ancient he- Hebrew for the Old right. Testament and ancient Greek for the New Testament. Um, but we also are going to, at the same time of this subject, we're going to be studying, coinciding with it, numerology and the Hebrew alphabet, because you can't understand the Bible without the numbers that power the Bible, right? right? And this is the esoteric, okay? This is not the surface letter, letter literal interpretation that is conducted in your Bible studies for the most part that are happening at all Christian churches. It's a much deeper aspect. There's mathematics to it. There's vibration to it. Like even how the words sound, there's a reason why. I know we've spoken about this before, but it's always good just to kind of reiterate. You can translate the meaning of a word roughly. It's very hard to do, but you can never transfer the vibration of that word. Okay, so even though we might have a word that's common to that Hebrew word in English, Mm -hmm. it does not have the same vibration. And the universe is made out of vibrations. And we know that, you know, what we speak, we create. So there's a power 
behind these ancient texts. There's a power of hearing it in the correct vibration. There's a power in even just getting as close to a translation as possible without as little as human intervention and manipulation as possible. Right. Right. And that's going to be one of the discussions that we have is we're going to just look at biblical translations and kind of point us in the direction of like, what's the best Bible to have as an esoteric student? Right. And we're going to kind of look into that, but. Which is huge. I, I know that that. I love that you're bringing that up, and that's something that I definitely uh, found very interesting is how it's translated. How it's translated. And who's had their hands in in the pot to who's sort of— Who's got their hands in the cookie jar. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, go and ahead. And you're talking about the consciousness of man. Mm-hmm. So, this is the cookie jar that everybody wants to get their hands in, for, for good or worse. Right. You know? So, there's a lot of energy behind this. There's a lot of—I mean— Western civilization is based off Eastern civilization has ties to this. So this is a um this is very much a paramount study to kind of take on. But through this, we will be able to proceed and really grow within our spiritual maturity, which is going to allow this Bible to be a living resource, a living document that will always be evolving to the spiritual void that we per currently have and that we need to fill. Right, and the Bible is going to act as that antidote to that malnourishment. Right, and that's what we're going to kind of learn. So, the Bible really is just looking at the nature of man as we know him. Okay, and this is heavily going to be. I really would suggest people to read the Emmett Fox interpretation of the Four Horsemen. Get familiar with Manly P. Hall's breakdown of mm-hmm. Revelations. Um, there's so many good resources that will kind of kind of look at, but it's really just a reflection of our own makeup. And in order for us to gain the spiritual dominion over ourselves and over our surroundings, we're going to need to be able to interpret this living document correctly. Right. Okay. So Revelations or the Bible in general is kind of written in this symbolic way. And Revelations is kind of unique because it really tags on to this, the deep symbology that's going to be present in the Old Testament. So we really don't see a book quite like Revelations in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. One, it's written in a different language than the ancient than the Hebrew. Right. So this is actually a really tall feat, and this was actually just for them to do this in the ancient Greek was almost a challenge to Hebrew to say like, oh, we can write a very very sp- spiritual text as well. Like it's not just your language that's holy; our language is holy as well too. So there was almost this like, can you rise to the level of Hebrew, which is such a deep, deep vibration when it comes to language. Right. And so we're going to see the ancient Greeks actually approach this with the use of this language. And it's very impressive because they do take on this codex of what we see in the Old Testament. So if you look at Revelations, it's not really like other New Testament text. It's, it's the symbology is much more permanent. Like the New Testament really is following, you know, the life of Jesus. And we kind right. of see that. And it's more of the stories of Jesus's interactions. But this is a is just a truly just a parade of symbolism after symbolism after symbolism. Which is why it wasn't revered by some people when they were reading it. Those who were like in power back then right. would read this and go, what is going on? This right. is not coinciding with what I already have an understanding of with the New Testament or at the uh, the uh, interpretation by the Greeks. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yeah. And, and again, we don't, you know, this is all about your... This is like you overcoming your demons. This is you making that seventh step of alchemy. That's why it's the seven steals. So 
this is the yeah. the end. You know, to to begin, you know, because you're going to approach Christ consciousness through finishing this. But of course, power doesn't want you to be self conscious. Right. Power doesn't want you to be sovereign. Power wants you to rely on it for power. And so, so the symbolism in the Bible speaks to the spiritual development and the maturity of the individual. It presents the lesson you need to be presented to. But it's not going to give you any more, and it's not going to give you any less. It's going to find the void, and it's going to fill the void, because that's what universal consciousness does. So, so again, you can re- kind of receive these dip- deeper insights on the mythological or biblical stories, depending on your own spiritual understanding, as well as your emotional structure. Okay, so the more complete you are as an individual, the more complete you're going to pull out information and the essence of from the Bible. Right. So you come to it complete and you will leave complete. Right. And that's going to kind of be what's going to be this guiding thing. So this is how the principles of the Bible can be comprehended in any time period or any geological location. Okay. They didn't write the Bible to be direct because the Bible wasn't supposed to be direct. It needs to have significance in 1200 AD all the way up to 3200 AD. It doesn't matter what the time lo- what doesn't matter what the environment looks like, doesn't matter the advancements in technology, whether you were a shepherd living in the turn of the century like in you know 3 AD or all the way up into our current times, it's told in a way that anybody could pick up on the symbolism because it's part of our perennial philosophy. Right. Okay. So again, this is why people actually discredit the Bible and they're like, why is it written in the way it is? It's so confusing. Well, it's confusing because it's taken universal knowledge and putting it into a package that could be understood at any time period and at any physical location. That's quite the feat to take on as somebody writing a document. Right. Right. And it has to be done in a very, very certain way. So the reason why the Bible does this is to be infinite to the adept. So we can always go back to it. So it doesn't matter if you're 13 or 300, you can always go to the Bible to find guidance or find a new insight on your character development, right? Yeah, and you don't have to do it in any order particularly. That's what's powerful about it is that if you find yourself at the mercy of like life and treating you a certain way, you can open it, look into it, and it just immediately resonates to where you kind of look left and right and go, how did I get on this? Because anybody else witnessing this right right now? I just got on this page right now. This page is talking exactly what I'm going through. And like that's the beauty about it when you do get to see a document like that or some kind of documentation that can – you know, speak to just you, yes. you know? Yeah. So it's got the same kind of feeling as like when you're going through struggling times and you maybe like bust out the tarot cards. Right. Right. Even if it's just like a one card reading, sometimes you're just like literally looking over your shoulders thinking Ashton Kusher is going to pop out and be like, I just punched you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like. And the Bible's the same exact way. You know what I mean? Um, that would be the best punk. But, um, uh, that's awesome. So, yeah, we kind of have this this postmodern, is the world we live in today, this postmodern literal interpretation or what they would want, like a direct statement, would only appeal to a limited audience. So the infinite aspect of the Bible would come finite. Right. So it's impossible. Like, we wouldn't want that. We wouldn't want a direct thing. That's why, like... It was just so hysterical um, when, like, these new modern Christianity, like, 
they paraphrased the Bible down to a thing called the story. And, and that's fine, but people were reading it in replacement of the Bible. Mm. And it was written in a more of a direct message. And again, that's fine, but you're, you're taking something now that has infinite potential and you're putting it in a box, mm. right? Because it's, Jesus would tell you not to do that. Jesus would be like, whoa, stop what you're doing, right? right? I mean, with modern Christianity, Jesus would probably be stopping like at everything they're doing. He'd be like, yeah. what? I was only gone for 2,021 years and this is what this you guys what are you've doing? you've done. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, each individual gets what they're ready for. The Bible is kind of this timeless piece, um, and it speaks in symbols, and these symbols are – they can be studied by the group, but they also can be studied as for the individual, right? So, they're, it's almost like that as above, so below kind mm-hmm. of thing. You can study it as the evolution of consciousness as a whole, and you could also study it as the evolution of consciousness as your own individuality, right? right? So um, – so again, you kind of get that that message, um, and there's infinite amount of messages in a biblical study. So one thing we're also going to kind of come across, and is you're going to start to see, as you esoterically start looking at the Bible, you're going to see multiple different interpretations over the same thing. And at first, it's going to be confusing to you. But if the interpretations speak within the lens of the esoteric, they're using the numerology, they're using the Hebrew language and that ancient Greek, they will resonate truth even if the interpretations are a little different because this is such an infinite subject. So there can be multiple interpretations, but they're all going to kind of come together, okay? So even if it kind of defers in the interpretation, their stories are unlimited. So it's not so much when we look at these esoteric breakdowns, it's not so much as it's competing but more it's complementing. Right. Okay. And we're going to see that because there's going to be different esoteric teachers who are going to take kind of different perspectives on these stories. It's not that one's right or not, especially if they're coming from an esoteric perspective. If they're coming from a postmodern literal interpretation, there's going to be, it's not going to correspond with the esoteric occult kind of status. Right. Right. Are you, are you referring to, this is a question. Are you referring to like, say the, stages that lay within like seven is that what you mean so like if it could be completely different stories but they're always going to be within the number seven or six days past the seventh does so forth is that what you mean is yeah yeah, that too um i'm just curious um one interpretation could also be about like oh this is about you know creating your emotional dominance okay okay. and then but somebody else in esoteric would be like this is actually you finding your spiritual self got it well they're like one in the same Right, I mean, you like you control your emotions when you tap into your spirituality, right? It's like a one A plus B equals C kind of process. Mm-hmm. So they're going to kind of focus on different things, but they're kind of leading to the same thing. But right. yeah, always be looking for numbers. Right. Like if something is not alchemically following the pattern, kind of question it and, and see maybe if the pattern's like further down line or there's something you need to look at. But everything is going to follow that alchemical pattern that we've kind of spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, now, depending on what number it gets to, it might just go to four, it might stay at seven, it might go all the way to 12. That's going to be its own um, discussion that we're going to kind of address later. But really, you just really want to figure out kind of like this esoteric interpretation and just understand that this, because it's unlimited, there's going to be multiple interpretations. But if they're using the correct form and using the correct structure, which is the esoteric, looking at the numerology, you know, looking at the root languages, 
they're not competing against each other. It's complementing. These are just, these stories have infinite value to them. Right. So it's impossible for one person to completely encompass what this story represents. So we're going to kind of see multiple people kind of putting that picture together. So imagine when you're reading a biblical interpretation of a story, imagine that it's a grand masterpiece over an entire like wall. And the person you're reading is just painting one little portion of it. But it's when you really step back and you see the whole picture that you can maybe start approaching what this story is about. But again, it's still just like, yeah, you're just, you're barely touching the surface, right? Because like, just like in the universe, within the Bible, there's always going to be more we don't know than we do know, you know? So th- we're never going to get to the point where it's like, I know more than I don't know about the Bible. Right. Like, you just say in that, just put you back like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible's like, oh, really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Um, so so that's what we're kind of looking at. So um, this is, again, it's just this um, spiritual and psychological allegory and you know, what this is going to really show too is one thing you're going to kind of see when you deal with revelations, when you deal with the, um, especially um, the book of Daniel, anything that's talking about the end of the world is you're going to see a lot of stuff on the internet and a lot of stuff with kind of like fundamental Christian groups who are going to actually be identifying things that are actually happening in the physical realm. I mean, as we speak. As we speak. Which has been happening forever. Forever. It's like, that's, the mo- right. that's the thing. Every hundred, every you know, century is the century. Is the century. And they're not wrong in what their expression they're saying, but the Bible's not about being a predestined situation. Yeah. Because if the Bible was predetermined, and that means there's no free will. And Emmett Fox brings this up, then... Why does God? Why does Jesus spend so much time in the New Testament praying? praying yeah. And he's always pushing for praying, right? Because it's not it's not predetermined. What it's telling you is it's telling you that these are the traits instilled within man and woman. Okay, this is what we're going to see express. And if one of these traits, one of these three traits, rather than the one that rules over them, the four has got complete power you're going to see stuff like this manifest in the physical realm, mm-hmm. right? Because um, the horse stays true to its form, right? Right. So that's what we're going to kind of see. But the Bible is not so much, a, it's not a predestined thing, but instead it's it's just, it recognizes patterns both in destruction and ascension. So that's all the Bible's doing is it's just presenting these patterns, whether it's a pattern of destruction or it's a pattern of ascension, it's just putting them out in front of you. And it's really just, it's a mirror. The Bible is just a mirror. It's just, this is you. This is the story of you. It starts in Genesis with your creation, with your fall from matter, and it's making you all the way up until almost coagulation right. of the alchemical experience when you've made it way your way back home. Um, and that's what we're kind of looking at. So it's um, it recognizes patterns, and it's just pattern recognition, which is, the basis of our esoteric studying, right? But as we kind of approach Revelations, we just want to be, just kind of keep it in mind that this really is not like any other book in the New Testament. And I really would welcome people to read it, um, just even to do it a cold reading to see where you could pick up the alchemy, right? Like the seven seals and the idea that, yeah. you know, only f- 1,444 people are going to be saved. And what does yeah, that mean? The 1,444, um, yeah. Yeah, what does that mean? You know, and that what that corresponds to is the number nine numerology, and that's the number of man. And like why 666 is the beast. And this is all stuff we're going to cover. But, you know, this is this is the essences behind actions, 
So what the person who's looking at Revelations, looking at the four horsemen into their physical unfoldment, is not seeing the causal factor behind that physical manifestation or that that wave collapsing. So yeah, we could have, you know, destruction from the pale horse, destruction from the red horse, and destruction from the black horse. But it's not, they're not the physical, they're just the physical representation of the essence that causes this. And that poor relation that the individual has with that essence, so it manifest in a negative aspect to not only their own conscious development, but the conscious expansion of their community and their entire world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So, um, so yeah, so the four horsemen are really going to kind of concern themselves with the four fourfold construction of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And this is perfect because this is also the four first steps of alchemy, right? Right. You yeah. know what I mean? So we're, again, we're just seeing this connection kind of come back in. Um, and so we're going to have the physical body, which is going to be the physical. We're going to have the feelings and the emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have the intellect and then we're going to have the spiritual nature. So that physical is kind of what you see in the mirror and what you see with your eyes, right? Like everything that reflects back in the mirror and everything beyond that mirror, right? The feelings and emotion, although we cannot see them fully aware of them. Right? It just, you know, you can just, you, it's impossible to deny your emotions. There might be right. people who have, are more sensitive to their emotions rather than others, but it's a part of the human consciousness. It's part of our fourfold nature. And then we have that intellect, which is also, we cannot see, but we are aware of. Um, and that's really the containing everything that you know up to this point, right? And then the spiritual, which is the nature, which is that true you which is the I am. And it's that indwelling, the indwelling Christ. It's that divine spark. It's your true self. Right, right. right? And within elements, we're going to be addressing this one as the um, as fire, mm-hmm. right? But it's that internal fire that right. we kind of create during fermentation, right? It's that internal flame. And that's also the evolution of Genesis to Revelations because we're, we're going from where we had to create light in the beginning. And we needed the sun, right? To now we're going to go through this entire process, this entire story, and now that fire is within. Mm-hmm. Which, how did we end up alchemy? It right. was just furnishing that fire within and creating that fire from within. And that whole thing was about raising that divine spark, tapping into that true imagination, right? Just like the golden rule. We're just getting ourselves out yeah. of the way so universal consciousness can kind of kind of work through. So... um, So when we kind of look at this, the um, the four horses are going to be kind of vital um, in the aspect of us understanding ourselves. And one of the things that we're going to also see with this is another thing that we've kind of alluded to in the past is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really are going to see with this connection of the white horse at the right. end, which represents kind of the fire. Um, and... Um, Really, we're going to kind of see how this fourth horse that we're going to finalize this conversation with today shifts us from just from going from believing to knowing, right? And that kind of justification that kind of comes from it, um, come from which you came. And so, again, we're, we came from spirit, and we're going to see in this aspect we need to go back to spirit. So right. that whole idea of come from which you came is that alchemical process, right? We came from spirit. We return back to spirit, right? right? So um, it's all just that kind of that walk that back home. 
And we're really going to see that the gods and the demons and the stories in the Bible and all of mythology, it's all happening with them, right? It's, it's not happening on the pages. It's not happening in some historical timeline. It's, it's what's happening within us, right? It's in our, it's in our minds and it's in our hearts. Um, and we, and the first three aspects, the first three horses are going to be a little bit more obvious. And then that fourth one is really the one that we kind of miss. And that's the one that's really going to be the one that kind of can tie everything together to make the whole greater than the sum of the parts. Right. Because without them, it's isolated. Right. So, um, so we're going to kind of looking at what, how, what horse you need to kind of mount and, what happens if you mount the wrong horse? Yeah. And what kind of comes from that? So, um, so the first horse that we're going to kind of see in this, st- uh, this segment is the pale horse. And the pale is going to allude to like what we said was like terror and that deep fear. Um, and I'll kind of just read the quote and then I would love to hear kind of what your perspective on the pale horse is. Cause I've been just chatting like a little. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Right. No, but no, no. I think it's just, you have great momentum, man. Go for it. So, yeah. So it's, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed after him. And we're talking about the pale horse. So this is the first horse of the four horses of the apocalypse. And this pale horse is going to kind of allude to fear. And it speaks of the rider of the pale horse as death. What the pale horse is going to represent is the physical body. Right. Right. And if you live for the, the body, and if you were guided by this base sensation— Emmett Fox puts it perfect. There is nothing but hell waiting for you. Right. You're going to, I mean, that's something you should never rely on. It's something that we're reminded every day as how it's literally just decomposing. And to just hold that to your highest regard is just, you know, is pointless. Right. Especially when you know for a fact that it has no immortality as far as the physical uh, aspect to, to the body and, and being a glutton and everything else that goes with it and the sensuality and, um, you know, especially like vanity, you know, we know mm-hmm. that to already be true that, you know, people of vanity or people who are good looking die twice, you know, be, if they hold that to the highest regard, you know what I mean? So of course, you know, hell's just waiting for you. If that's the greatest thing you fear is to lose that physical appearance, then yeah. Um, yeah you're almost on a highway to hell yeah right you know and that's what we're kind of looking at and it's again i love the analogy of trying to hold sand in your hand Mm -hmm. because if you notice it if you're if you're holding sand in your hand a lot of times you go to squeeze harder but what that does is it makes smaller cracks in your hand and the sand actually starts to fall out faster right and what do we see in with the situation is trying to hold on to sand trying to hold on to that physical body that is finite Mm-hmm. Right, it's just a vehicle for the expansion of our consciousness, and the, the, the consciousness is eternal. Right, that's forever. So it's when we kind of make that mistake. And again, this is what they would call the puffers in alchemy—the individuals that were trying to find um, the elixir of life yeah. and the physically live forever. And all the alchemists, the true alchemists, were just kind of laughing because one, they're like, "Well, good luck." Two, why would you want to live forever? Right, right. Um, and they would just laugh at him, and that's why they called them puffers, you know, because these people were really just like in their laboratory thinking that they could physically add these things without any mental development or spiritual development and make this elixir. And you can't. That's like holding sand in your hand. It's just going to kind of keep making its way down. So um, this low sensation of living for comfort is destruction. 
Because if you're living for the physical world, the one thing we know with the universe is everything is dying, right? It's, you know, there's new life, but there's also death and everything has this pattern of decline and decay. And there's no actually aspect to be able to hold on to it. So if the individual fails to gain spiritual character and avoids making a spiritual body, how are they supposed to live and understand the next realms of existence? Like if you completely sacrifice the spiritual development, how are you going to make it in the realm of spirituality, right? If you can't even tap into your astral realm, which is supposedly like the next realm we go to, you're not going to have a body to survive, right? So you're going to really kind of be in fear. And this is what hell was. Hell was, why people describe hell as this is it's, it's that going to the astral realm and not doing anything for spiritual development in your life. So you're faced with all the things that you avoided and it's coming at you so much harder because you don't have a physical body to shield you. So you're feeling pain more than you've ever felt. You're feeling fear more than you've ever felt. You're feeling disconnection more than you've ever felt because it's like a baptism by fire that you're going through. Right Now, if you do the work on this realm, if you do the spiritual development, when you go to the astral realm, you'll get to feel, experience love for the most part, because you won't have that body to even shield you against love, because your, your body shields you against good times and the bad times mm-hmm. in the physical embodiment. There's only so much of that energy that can get in, but when we kind of graduate out of this physical realm, out of this five-sense reality, or illusion of reality, um, and we actually start to experience what is real, which is thought and emotions— you have this huge scale of being able to do that now. Like there's no shield there. Mm-hmm. So you would want that. You want to grow for that. You don't want to go up there and be faced with challenges. That's again why the spiritual warrior wants to go through the aspects on earth because right. you have that body to protect you. And again, I know we speak about this, but it's kind of a great theme to always just like, cause it's pretty applicable. Yeah. Cause like I've never been there, but hell sucks. Yeah. Right. Like it can't be good. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so again, yeah, we're we're kind of um, missing the true idea of what the spiritual elixir of life is, and this body is finite. So, without spiritual spiritual nourishment, the body is unable to regenerate itself. So the reflex of age, the effects of aging are going to kind of be seen, especially in the mental and the accumulation of wisdom. So, where we want to approach old age is it's the accumulation of mental uh, capacity and wisdom. So when we're only living for the body, we are devoiding ourselves of that, you know, emotional um, development. We're devoting ourselves to that spiritual development. So the pale horse kind of identifies itself solely with that physical body. So it's going to really kind of see this aging process with fear and terror rather than like comfort and love. And you can see that for someone who didn't take those steps. Yes. The, the ashiness, the the gray and the pale that we talked about, this color, you'll see that in an individual who might have physically been beautiful at one point in time, but avoiding the steps that we're talking about right now has led them to look twice as uglier as they probably could have looked at that same age had they taken the proper steps to to let go of, of that fear. But the fear has like sped the process up to make him look such a way that's just by their worst nightmare you it's know? their worst because it just keeps like as they notice that they're aging that's all they can think about they don't exactly. realize that they're creating this with their mind and they're actually making themselves age faster so yes. this beautiful process of aging 
that we should be seeing as getting closer back to home, they're approaching it with, you know, fear and terror, which is exactly what the pair horse represents. Yeah. Right. And so this ability to kind of maintain their physical youth creates an individual that develops traits of bitterness and jealousy. Yes. Which is the last thing you want to be when you're getting old. Right. Like, I want to be the coolest grandfather in the world. You no, know what you I will mean? Be. Yeah. I hope so. Um, or, or grand uncle at this point, but either way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like that's, we want to be approaching this and we see, like you just said, you've seen the examples of this. Like, I mean, there's, I, I have a family member who is always just like, oh man, if I was young like you again, I would have so many girlfriends. I wouldn't got married. And it, they always are just like, living in the past and living vicariously through young people, but not in a positive way of like, hey, like, love the person you're with or do what you love with your life or things like this that you want from guidance. It's more of like, they're just like, kind of like living vicariously through you, but through like a negative aspect, not through a loving aspect, but more of like, they're like almost upset at you that it's like a Friday night and they're like, if I was you, I would be... You know, I'd be going out and I would hit on the ladies or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> so like, I, like it's not going to happen. And also, like, what's happening here? Right. Like, why this is what we're talking about right now is just like what I should be doing. Like, I kind of have questions about you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, tell me about life. Tell me about this experience. Like, what, what do I need to prepare for later on in life? So kind of lose that opportunity but we see that bitterness oh yeah we see that jealousy and if you do ask them that question their answer will be bitter they'll be like oh there's nothing good waiting on this side right and you're like oh hmm, Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's true maybe that's just your your experience through the path that you've been through um yeah i actually was always thankful uh all my life i was like overweight and um and uh i also have um physical uh issues like with my with my back more more than anything else and i was never the most athletic but i knew somewhere deep inside this is obviously i'm speaking personally here but i knew deep inside that had i been grown into uh the body of like an adonis like had i'd had the body that maybe people desire at a certain age and time had i'd peaked in say like high school or any of those times i would have been a very bad person Mm -hmm. because it's not so much that I'm not getting myself the credit for being a good person, but I'm saying, I think had I been able to see what I really wanted in the mirror every day, I never would have developed any of the characteristics that I have all my life leading up to now, you know? And so when you do meet these individuals are like, oh, well, life is just easy for you. You know, you, you got your youth, you're in shape. And I'm like, man, I'm in shape because I'm in pain. You know, I look young because I've surrendered to age. I don't have a preference and I don't, you know, I don't do anything to keep myself physically looking this way. If anything, if I can avoid the mirror, sometimes I do because I'm like, I'm better off. And they're like, that's not true. And they get so frustrated. They're like, no, things came easy for you. I was like, man, do I have to tell you my story in order to like make this? But it's interesting because that's, that's what ends up happening uh, when you meet individuals along the way is that they assume that what they see right in front of them is probably how it's always been. And you're like, hmm, okay. Um, and so when you do have an opportunity, cause that's, I can't believe you just brought that up where you do meet these individuals who go, man, if I look like you, I'd be slinging the ladies. And I'm like, you want to sling a lady? A lady? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're saying right now, <laughs> but okay. All right. You know, so yeah, funny. It's funny how life will give you an opportunity to sort of like 
because I really do consider it a gift. I consider all my shortcomings a true gift, and that's not me trying to rise above. It's just the truth. At one point in time, I never looked at myself and go, why me? Why the impalement of this physical uh, part of my body or why the struggle with like dietary, you know, uh, imbalance or something like that? No, I liked it because all those things led me to go inside internally to do it better um, for the years to come Mm -hmm. and to make peace with like the things I can't reverse. I can't just have a surgery for this and I can't, you know, lose this weight without this hard work, the hard work then eventually leads to a better character. So you see what I'm saying? So I really always appreciated um, that. I always literally considered that a gift from above. I was like, someone out there was like, oh man, if we give you everything just right, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna mess this up. You're gonna really fall for something uh, along the lines of, uh, you know, a vain existence that doesn't do anybody any good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like my, always my experience, but yeah, you're absolutely right about those individuals who are like, if I were you, and I'm like, no, man, no. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're seeing, you know? So again, yeah. Instead of them being able to offer this, this like guidance for these future right. generations, they're just like, you know, they want to have like barbershop talking. Like what is going on here? But um, yeah. So it's really kind of, you know, it's, it's they kind of feel like it's unfair. And the, the problem is, is they're going to enter old age with this pain and emp- emptiness and this outlook, this feel, feeling is going to follow them from this life into the next. And that's one of the things that as free, like studying Freemasonry, studying alchemy, there is no, from our understanding, there's no aha moment that happens in death. Mm-hmm. You you leave like you're you're in the same, you might be out of this physical body, but it's not like you get this entire download of everything because there's still spiritual development that has to come after this so you're carrying who you are into this next life like this is a continuation of your character it's a continuation of your experiences so you know this negative outlook that they develop later in their life is so destructive because they're setting the table up for their first meal in this next life and it's going to be lacking spiritual nourishment right so they're going to kind of keep going on that wheel so it's just so important to check ourselves and really kind of check ourselves into the idea that there is an infinite and there is a conscious and there is this evolution that's happening um, because part of it is kind of that surrender to this. And, you know, one of the big things about Revelations that uh, Neville Guards speaks a lot about is just how, and we'll kind of get to this later on, but repentance and like repenting and really what repenting means esoterically and it's a it's a fascinating thing, but that's kind of what you're doing in this aspect. You're again, you're kind of moving yourself out of the way for the universal consciousness to work through. So, so this pale horse doesn't just represent the physical body and like physical sensations. So it's also going to be, which I would say is the most powerful god lowercase g in our world right now, which is money. So this physical pale horse is also going to represent money, material honors, and positions. So um, most people in our present-day Western civilization worship money, right? Right. They'll sacrifice their peace, their family, their love, their morals. They'll, they'll sacrifice truth in their in their face for their god of money, yeah. lowercase g, right? Can't their status. stress that enough, right? So 
All aspects is, are sacrificial by the rider of the pale horse for their god money. So all these aspects, peace, love, family, morals, truth, all these aspects are sacrificed by the rider of the pale horse for their lowercase, you know, god, lowercase g money. And this is a cycle of hell. So that if the individual is lucky, if they recognize this destination, which is hell, while still in the physical body, they still have time to make these changes. Right. And we see this happen a lot to people in their old age when they have time to reflect. They're like, man, like, although I worked all this year for retirement, this really wasn't what it was about. Right. Um, and it's it's kind of important because, again, we need money for food, water, and shelter. Right. And I know we brought this up before, but happiness is needed for these items like so you reach a certain point of happiness when you have those three things covered right. you have food water and shelter right and i know we've spoken about this before but if you have those three components you reach a level of happiness that when you don't have them you are below them like we need food we need water and we need shelter whatever that is like doesn't mean you need a house it doesn't mean you even need an apartment like there's homeless people who want to be homeless and their shelter is as much shelter as they want right it's like a free will decision so it, you know, that's, that's a subjective understanding of what shelter kind of represents there. But either way, you need some kind of shelter from the elements and you reach a level of happiness when you approach those three, when you check those three boxes. Right. And we've spoken about this, but you can't get happier. You don't double, if you double your food, double your water and double your shelter, it doesn't make you twice as happy and it right. doesn't keep going up that level. Right. At one point. And you're, you're just, just stressed. Exactly. And you and you start holding on to that sand because yeah. you're like, well, if I have it all, it can get taken away. Exactly. Right? Um, and you can't just take your money and go buy, which Emmett Fox puts perfectly in this lecture, peace of mind. Right. You can't buy friendship. You can't find loyalty. Loyalty, And yeah. you sure enough can't buy a connection to the universal consciousness. <laughs> it doesn't take your money. It laughs at your money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so what can money really get you? Yeah. Other than like a wall, a sandwich, and some water. You know yeah. what I mean? Like outside of that, yeah, it can get you some certain things, but it's not going to complete you, mm -hmm. right? It's going to kind of lead you down this path. So this so this pale horse can represent money. It can represent the physical body. It can represent the craving for honor. Um, more importantly, the people that want to be considered honorable, not yeah. so much living an honorable life. That's different. Those are two different things. Um, so again, it's kind of, it's a great quote by Jordan Peterson. He says, be a person who does things rather than a person who is seen doing things. Yeah. And that's a perfect point for this because we really see this. You, We see this with like, even like, you know, like, you know, sometimes I'm on Instagram and I see like videos of people like saving an animal or saving something, which is amazing, right? It's amazing. And I think a lot of these these videos could be real, but if somebody was in a dangerous situation, the last thing I'm going to do is shoot a 15 second Video, clip yeah. before the situation to kind of give parameters of it and then <clears throat> tape me or my friend saving this person. It's not going to go into my mind, right? And there's people who've been caught, and I'm not saying everybody does this. Like, I'm not saying every dodo video is a false flag dodo video. I'm not saying that, right? Um, but some people have gotten caught for doing that. They want to be seen saving these dogs, but they'll put these dogs in a terrible situation so they can save them, so right. they can make the video, so they can get the likes, so they can get the follows, 
And so they can like enjoy their own farts, right? And that's what mm-hmm. they do. They're just yep. like, oh, this is so great, you know? But they don't realize that they're just like, it's destructive. It's it's doing no benefit. And they just want to be seen doing things rather than doing them. Exactly. Where <clears throat> most times when there's actually a hero on scene, they leave as the moment par- paramedics get there. Like how many times have I read stories where they're like, this person pulled this person out of a flaming car, resuscitated them, and then disappeared when the ambulance showed up right you know even myself when i was a when i was a child i uh my trachea closed right and i stopped breathing and it should have been a sars baby like i should have died um and my mom didn't know what to do she just like found me in my crib and i was blue and this was in when we were living in salt lake city so she just like threw me in the car like yelled to the neighbor to watch my sister's and then just drove to an intersection. And my mom was kind of panicking. So she just opened her door and like grabbed me and just like ran to the middle of the intersection. Kind of like, like kind of like Simba Lion King to me. And was just like, got a blue baby here. Like, can somebody help me? And everybody, somebody jumped into my mom's car to drop that off at the hospital. Somebody threw my mom in their car, sped to the hospital. The other person dropped off the car and just put the keys on the counter. So many people had so many parts in this piece Nobody stayed around to be like, oh, hey, I drove your car here. They just dropped the keys off at the front desk and went on their way, right? right? Um, all of these things kind of went into place. And and again, I'm not saying, again, like you can't videotape it if you're seeing something amazing happening or something like that. But we have to be aware that there's a pull in society to kind of do this, right? To kind of ride this pale horse. Um, so, you know, just being aware for the person who – does things to be seen doing things rather than the person who actually just does those things, which is really important. Right. Um, So, you know, this, this sensationalist, this individual who is just kind of wants to get identified, wants to get some honor. I mean, this is kind of like what the modern politician I would say kind of is just wants to be seen doing great things, but they're usually just kind of turd bags. Um, But, you know, what we're really kind of seeing is the sensationalist of the food, the drinks, the drugs, the power is the rider of the pale horse. And this horse always runs true to its form. So we'll always, its end is always hell for the individual. So these horses are shown in the symbols, in the symbolization, because these aspects are looking at what moves an individual. So that's why they chose a horse. It's very much that Mars energy. What moves you? Does money move you? Right? Because that's what the pale horse is. And we're going to kind of get into what the red horse is next after this. And it's emotions. Do your emotions move you? Mm-hmm. Does your intellect move you? What moves you? What gets you going? Um, and that's what we're kind of looking at. So the pale horse, the rider is moved by the physical and the unhealthy blind relationship the individual has to the physical. Right? And that's what we're kind of looking at. So um, that's the pale horse. Oh, my gosh. That was that was a long explanation of the pale horse, um, but we'll no, jump into the red horse I, next. I right? thought it was great, man. Okay, I, I think it's a it needs to have more of an explanation on just the basics that you know are presented with each of these horses because, as you already said, it represents us and and it represents us from a lot of different angles uh, depending on what we were born into and why we were born into it. You know, and and I think that. Um, back to talking about the book of revelations and how they just really put it out there to talk about you and who you are um, and what you should know about yourself and what you should probably fix before coming to the end and, and figuring out, you know, why you should have been on the ride, the white horse 
the whole time. Right. We're, we're, we're going to kind of get to it. Right? We'll get Which to is, it. Yeah. We'll get to it. So yeah. the red horse is next. Yeah. So the red horse. Perfect, man. So, and two, also the thing we want to know is the culture that's aware of this presents these horses to us all the time. And it doesn't care what one we get on, as long as we get on the pale, the red, or the black. And that's what it's concerned us about. So this is, that pale horse is like the urge to be on reality TV, the urge to become your own, you know, internet sensation, right. whatever that is, that influencer thing is, um, that's kind of that urge, right? So they kind of present that to us. So the red horse, that's going to represent the emotional nature. Mm-hmm. So this is going to represent your feelings. And this is important because this is, this is something that's internal. So we don't see it. So it's not as a, it's not as obvious as the pale horse is, but this red horse is because every thought has two components. It has the knowledge content and the feeling content. And we've right. spoken about this, right? So the knowledge belongs to the intellect, which is that left side of the brain. Feeling belongs to the emotion, which is the right side of the brain. We've broken down the two hemispheres of the brain a lot. We've looked at these aspects. But um, one thing we haven't really looked at, and I like that um, this was kind of presented in this discussion, is that some thoughts, the knowledge content is much greater than the feeling content. And in other thoughts, it's the feeling content that is greater. Okay, and we're going to kind of see how this is used, especially recently. So he brought up the idea of mathematics. The feeling contact can almost be almost absent in mathematics. Like you can have a feeling of completion and um, contentment from like a definite absolute answer, right? Right, Or an objective answer, like two plus two is four. There's an objectivity to that that creates contentment within us, right? Right. Um, but it's more of an intellectual based thing. You're gonna the thought energy is stronger in that. Um, we're on the other end of the spectrum, like exoteric religion and politics, very full of feelings. Um, even if the actual knowledge of the subject is very, very small. So they feel very, very deeply about this, they'll react very, very deeply about this. But they might not actually have a lot of intellectual information to base this. And this is we see this in exoteric religions. And we see this in modern politics. People will literally destroy friendships about principles that they actually can't even repeat back to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, just tell me the, you know, tell me the pillars of this party that you represent. And they can't. They'll just tell you what they don't like about the other party. And I'm right. like, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about the other party. I want to know like what are the pillars of the foundation and the principles that your party is based around. You don't, as like a conversation, not trying to put anybody into a corner. Right, right, right. And they won't do it, but they'll get very worked up about it. And that's yeah. because there's certain information that we have more of an emotional connection to than an intellectual connection. All right. And we see that very, very much today in this like emotionally polarized world we live in. So this red horse, um, which we kind of moved away from during the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. So we really see a transition from the Renaissance from the red horse when we were more emotion based. And, and pale horse, kind of like fear based, into the extra, into the next horse, which is going to kind of be more based in the intellect. The black horse, yeah, right. But this this Renaissance, it was almost having like a reappearance of this red horse right now, and we're seeing it in the collective society. We're seeing this from this divide and conquer agenda, from this turning you know fear into a virtue. <laughs> Facts are being ignored for the emotional appeal, right? Right. Um, that's what the vir- the virtuous signaling is exactly everywhere around everywhere. us right now on all aspects. Yep, you know, left and right. You know, it's all that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, there's no. I love that you're talking about the pillars. It's a great example because um, 
the foundation of why someone should be so emotionally uh, arrayed has no at all, you know, uh, context that goes in depth. It's just like, if you're not on my side, you're out, yeah. you know? And if, if, um, if you question anything else other than that, then we're done here. And it's like, right. what? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And that's it. And it's, and again, there's no, there's not a lot of intellectual backing to it. Right. And even like, you know, stuff that's happened in the last year and a half, there'll be numbers that go against what the claim is, but the emotions are so high on certain things that it's almost like set up blinders and people just kind of shut you down immediately. You know, like this happens with a lot with like, you know, potential false flag stuff that's happened in the past. People, they just are so attached to it, even though when you really start kind of breaking it down and you start asking questions about it, they don't even believe the official story, but they're so emotionally tied to what they want to believe that they don't even approach a conversation, which is all you should be asking for, right? Like right. you can't really change anybody's mind, but you can have a conversation and hopefully you get advanced and they get advanced in that process, right? Well, the problem of riding this red horse though is then that's how oppression is created because then you really push the agenda for something to be done in a more solid uh, way of, of handling things in order to uh, confirm, you know, your emotional uh, disarray. So you're mm -hmm. like, oh, this is how I feel. And then what are we going to do about it without there being any questions? So a lot of people right now are all for that, which is very, very intense because you don't realize what you're setting up for generations to mm -hmm. come, you know, when they mm -hmm. realize that they can't have certain freedoms and certain, um, you know, even just ideas will, right. will be almost, you know, Absolutely. Like, yep. Yeah. And you know, and what's coming again, it's it's a both side problem. Um, yeah. And it's this divide and conquer. And we're because of the lack of intellect and so many people on this red horse, they don't see who's actually controlling the strings. Right. We don't, we're not looking at who's actually on top of this. Um, and that's only going to cause destruction and the loss of sovereignty. Right. Which is everything that Jesus and consciousness is fighting against. Right? right. It's like that resistance that they don't want. So they want that, pre they want internal sovereignty. They want us, you know, like we need to really get back to the point where it's just like, I'm Daniel from House Pawinski. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like when it was like a true name rather than this like government given name that's in all caps, that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, like I'm just going to start saying that. I'm just going to become Daniel from House Pawinski. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, dude. Esquire. Esquire. <laughs> so the red horse signifies what happens when our feelings are the guiding aspects of our consciousness, right? Yeah. For the negative things. So these horses always run true to form. That was obviously my favorite quote from the lecture because I've said it like six times, um, but it's so important. Um, but if, but truly, if you cannot control your emotion, your emotion will control you and it will wreck you. It will destroy you. So emotions are not destructive, but uncontrolled emotions are. Um, and this is like a two-way pillar and I'm so glad that they brought it up because also the lack of emotion or too much emotion are equally destructive. Right. Because emotion is, you know, it's the spirit in which you do things. Emotional nature is a vital endowment if you are the master. And this is what the energy that powers us through. This is what we, you know, this is the energy we put apart our thoughts to actually create in reality. So you need emotion but you need a proper relationship with emotion. Too much emotions that are unbased in logic um, and not compounded by spirituality are going to run astray, and it's going to cause problems and concerns. Um, 
And you're going to do things like getting angry or excited over trivial things, which we see so often happening right now. Um, worked up about things you hear, right? And they talk about how like, you know, I've talked to so many people who are just like so upset because they were like, they woke up and read an article on Google that said something about something. And it's just, just like ruining their day. And it's just like, what's your connection to that? Why are you letting this, this, you know, this company that censors stuff, they've been completely t- caught kind of being biased. They're not a universal, like, why are you letting their word ruin your day? You're letting them win because they know they're just touching your emotional strings and they're playing you like a puppet. Right. Right. And that's why we're going to get into Pinocchio next. He'll be the next one we do because like, there's a, there's a situation when you're emo- got emotional ties where you really have to like cut the strings from Geppetto. Yeah. You need to free yourself. Right. And then in the same process, you go and you save your father from the belly of the whale. It gets real deep and we're, yeah. I'm going to love it. But that's what the red horse stands for. It's this, yeah. it's this, uh, lack of emotional intelligence, a lack of, it could be a lack of emotional empathy, but again, could also be the lack of emotion. And this is like, he explained it as like the person who enters the room that nobody notices, doesn't really try to do anything and just kind of just is there. And we really need to, if we feel like we have a low emotional stuff and at certain aspects in life, we all do. Um, I know going through the alchemical process that we just went through, there was times I felt like I was just like emotionally zapped kind of thing. Um, but I saw the effects of it. Like I saw I wasn't creating as I wanted to create. I fell off routines, mm-hmm. you know, rewritten, like kind of re-experienced depression for the first time because it was gone. And it was that I didn't have that energy to keep me power, that emotion. Right. Right. Which is so important. It's the, it's the thing that gets us to kind of move. So this uh, emotion is so important. Right. And it's so important to be balanced, which is the way yeah you know that he kind of presents so and i was gonna say i mean for, for me the the one horse that resonates the most is the red horse uh you know uh i'm a very emotional person when it comes to um so rather than being lack of emotion this is why i really like that we're explaining this you know it's not one side or the other it's too much of one or the other or not enough of the other Right. And so that was, that's something that I've had to deal, deal with on my own, uh, which is like too much emotion with no logic behind it, you know, and the logic that you claim to lead you to an emotional, um, mess isn't carefully calculated. It's not really carefully considered. It's just more like on a reaction based on, you know, the absence of something that, you know, uh, was an expectation to be there and wasn't there. And so it's like, well, what are you going to do now that that expectation wasn't met? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I, you know, I think everybody goes through that and you go through phases, but, uh, yeah, when I was like really reading into this, I was like, man, I was like, I really got to like take a, take a deep breath and like pull back a little bit because, you know, um, yeah, I mean, again, we're living in a time where people are ruled by their emotions or at least ruling the day by the emotions that are being set forth by people who aren't even in their own circle of family or friends. And I think that was frustrating me. So I'm like, oh, I'm no good. I'm no better than they are, even though I'm thinking you're wrong for feeling so manipulated. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, that's their story and mine is somewhere else. I need to just kind of walk this path uh, in a different direction. So yeah 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 and you know i think we're what we're looking at too is which is fascinating and we're going to kind of get into the imbalances of brains and what what happens when 
one of the hemispheres is imbalanced. Right. And so really this red horse is going to be that right brain imbalancement, right? So you can almost look at it as um, one side of kind of like the political spectrum. And then the other side is going to be the left brain imbalanced. And that's going to be the black horse. And this stands for the intellect. And this right. is the entire argument of one side to the other is oh, that side is has no feelings kind of thing. Yeah, you're just out to dominate with just out to complete dominate. intellect, thinking that that is the higher, the highest way to conquer and divide right. without there being a single um, thought for consideration for the future and for even the present. I mean, well, actually the present is probably what's motivating you to think in such an intellectual way to, to advance like we did with automobiles and, mm-hmm. you know, machinery and, and weapons that we created without there being like a single rational thought as to well, where is this going to get us after we've, you know, gotten so far ahead of ourselves, you know? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it can't get undone. I mean, not that it, it can't get undone. It just takes a lot more work. Right, right. Yeah, and and again, too, as we as we kind of approach this last horse, the, or the third horse, the black horse for intellect, none of these horses are bad. Right. It's just the isolation and only focusing on one and not kind of doing the balance of all of them, which is why the fourth horse kind of appears to kind of show us how that balance is created. But this um, this black horse, like we say, stands for the intellect, and it really is going to represent this famine that happens with intellectually um, dominant individuals, and that's going to be the lack of spiritual nourishment, because the intellect can very much divorce itself from feelings. It can almost divorce itself from those emotions, mm-hmm. and the intellect can kind of become the, um, the master. And we're not talking, but I know you're kind of thinking, but didn't you say that the neocortex is the highest aspect and that's where we rule the brain from? And that's true, but remember, the neocortex is the makeup of both the left hemisphere and the right right hemisphere, right? And when you can put those two together, when you mix the intellect, which is the left side, and then the right side, which is emotion, but it's also our creative aspect, so we call that the genesis side. Mm -hmm. When you mix intellect and genesis together, that's when you have intelligence, Right. And that is the combining. That's what we actually rule from, from that neocortex is when those right. are two together and we take the intellect and we mix it with the genesis and that's how we get intelligence. Right. Um, and when, if you want to think in aspects of what you do with those sides of the brains, that left side of the brain is for concentration. Right side of the brain is going to be for genesis. So like meditation. So that's why when you put them together, you have contemplation. Right. Right. And that's happening in the temple, which is in the root of that world, right? Contemplation um, is that combination. It was funny on the patron video, I couldn't say contemplation. It took me like five times. Um, like I just, I kept trying to like, I don't know what I was doing, but the patron people were laughing. They're like, yeah, he did do that. That was ridiculous. <laughs> but it's all happening in the temple of Solomon, right? Right. The sun and the moon. So in the modern world, intellect does dominate you um, to the exclusion of the emotional and especially to the spiritual. So the intellect very much has kind of dominated since, um, you know, the pale horse is dominating with physicality. And then the in, this intellectualism, especially in this postmodern world we've kind of live in, has really dominated, um, has kind of gained ground since the Renaissance because it was the age of reason, right? But the problem is, is we just went too far over and yeah. we missed that other connection. So, so we, um, so this well-polished intellect is a great servant, but a terrible master. 
And that's what we're seeing with the black horse is that intellect has become the master. So it's divorced itself from emotions. It's this postmodernistic idea that lacks any sort of magic. Um, and the problem with intellect is it can only deal with the dimensional, the three dimensions. It can only deal with the 3D. It can only deal with this five sense right. reality for expansion of consciousness. So beyond the scope of it, its usefulness diminishes rapidly, right? The intellect is only here for this aspect. So intellect intellect can help with the approach back to God, but intellect can't really give us a true definition of emotions, dreams, love, truth, universal consciousness, or God. It can't be it can't be approached with the intellect, right? Right. The intellect is limited. So, so the journey to God transcends the limitation of intellect. So as we make our journey back, intellect is only going to get us so far right. to kind of see intellect will help us kind of recognize the laws of God, but it's not going to be able to give us this holistic understanding of what this universal consciousness is. So what it does is it gives you room for these brash conclusions. So this black horse brings this famine of spiritual knowledge and, um, and this intellectual superiority that is not valid kind of rubs away any kind of spiritual nourishment that can be provided from the environment because we're not looking at it through the lens of both the left side and the right side. We're just solely looking at it from that dominating left side, that left hemisphere, right? right? So as we, as we approach God on our journey back home, we leave the territory of intellect and approach the all-knowing realm of spiritual information that can't be really approached by this. So intellect kind of usually is external observation of our environment. Mm -hmm. And that's how we kind of pull information in. And the spiritual knowledge that's coming next with the white horse is an internal eternal realization. Right. So like, again, we talk about how spiritual information really kind of comes from within. And we kind of talk about how it kind of get the stills and it takes a process. But when you learn something about spiritual information, it's never like new information. You're like, oh, I've known this. I just didn't know I knew this. Right. right? Um, so the intellect can't give you the truth about universal consciousness. The intellect can't give you the truth about God. And to suppose that it can is like trying to use, and this is perfect, a thermometer to weigh a package. And I love that he put that yeah. an analogy in there because it's perfect. He's saying you're using the wrong tool. Like a thermometer is useful, but it's not going to weigh a package for you. Okay, and so that's how he's saying, like, you can't use this tool to approach spirituality because right. it's it's not ready for that, right? So um, when we're confusing these instruments and we tie ourselves to this intellectual attachment, you really live without this knowledge of this universal consciousness or this knowledge of God, and you really start to flirt with, you know, depression and disappointment, right? Because the intellect can only get you so far, but it will only give you the pieces of the puzzle. It won't put the puzzle together for you. Mm -hmm. So you're just left with pieces. And yeah, your intellect can, you know, collect more pieces. But if you can't, the process of making those puzzles, those pieces fit, it's it's nothing. Right. It's just a, it's just a collection of little pieces. Right. Right. You're not putting that puzzle together, which kind of is spirituality. So that's kind of the fate of the black horse. This is the, again, the horse always runs true to its form, right? So the fate of the brock horse is this depression. This right. is what it's going to express. So Western civilization, like we said, has kind of ridden this black horse since the Renaissance. Um, but 
this from the age of reason, it really became the master. So all the horses lead us astray um, from our path back home. So when we're divorced from true science, from true religion, we've crowned this intellect um, and we've kind of mocked spirituality. We're just, again, we're jumping on horses that are taking us further away from our destination. Right. Right. Taking us further away um, into Oz, away from Kansas, right? And just getting murky and muddy on the way through. So, so that's the black horse. And drum roll, now we get to approach the white horse. Exactly. Right? And this is, this is the one that ties everything together. This right. is the holistic understanding. This is that spiritual fire. Yep. So, if we wanted to think about it, um, the pale horse is earth, right? The red horse is emotions, which is water. Black horse is intellect, which is air. And now we've got the fire. Mm-hmm. And this is that true imagination. This is the fire that's been lit inside the alchemist. This is why we all need to light our own lamps. This is the only thing that's going to get us through the darkness. And this is the solution presented by the first three challenges. So this is the spirit. The spirit is coming now to take the reins. And and just like as the time when man discovered fire, this true fire, the fire that burns within, that strives for love, beauty, truth, joy, and freedom, this is what we're going to do to light up our life. Now we're going to stay warm, right? So just how we physically discovered fire, we physically had to have an internal realization that that same fire that's in the pit, that's cooking our food, resonates to the fire that's within. That's that spiritual understanding that strives for love, strives for beauty, for joy, for freedom and truth. Um, So these things can now start to be approached because these things are God and the white horse takes us to God who's always here, right? So again, the rice horse is, the white horse is just a realization that this universal life force, that this God energy is, not only within us, but always around us. It's in the space in between and it's in the occupied right. space. And that's that's what this is really looking at. So this white horse is the white horse is just that big game of hide and seek that we said. Mm-hmm. Right? And what did we kind of come to at the end of that episode? We have to find God in everything and seek God in everything. And the white horse gives you the courage to do that. Right. Right. And the white horse is really going to do this. And this is really where the the term I am comes from. And that's it's kind of really what I want to almost focus on the first episode when we come back and we'll kind of talk about it next week, but really defining what I am represents esoterically. And it really is the two most powerful words in the world. And it's really the question that you can answer to anything. Like when somebody asks you like what you do, who you are, you can just reply. How you feel, I am. everything, everything, everything. Right. Um, <clears throat> so again, the creator takes part in creation. We learn through creation how to get us back to the creator where we learn that we are part of that creator. Right. Right. So that's kind of what we're getting to. So it's just getting our, you know, getting one's lower self out of the way. So the higher self, which is universal consciousness or God can work through us. So we must learn to trust our higher selves and this, this presence, you know, will truly never leave you because this presence is you. Right. Right. And that's what we're really kind of pulling away from is, I am. Right. I am spirit incarnated. Right. I am I am creation. I am a creator. And that's what we're we're just accepting the responsibility for who we are. And you know, we'll kind of go through Genesis and talk about why this was. Why did the painter love his painting so much that he wanted to put himself in it? Right. And that's where it all begins. Like, 
Why did the painter love himself so much that he wanted to partake in the painting? And that's what we're going to be approaching with Genesis. And that will be the beginning. And this is the end. And that's what we're kind of looking at with Revelation. So he's, he's giving you the first four steps of alchemy here, right? Because what did we just accomplish? The lesser stone. Right. We just got the fourth stone, which is the lesser stone. Now, it's in a little bit different of an order than the alchemical process, but it's still in that seven-step process. Exactly. Right? And it's not really a process like, it's more just identifying where the faults are, right? It's not saying like, you're going to go yeah. through this horse, this horse, yep. and this horse, right? It's more just say like, these are the look down, what horse are you on? Right. Oh, it's not white? Get off that horse. You know what I mean? Like, you want to be on the white horse because the white horse is all the colors. Right. So it's got the pale horse in it, the great aspects. It's got the great aspects of the red horse, and it's got the great aspects of the black horse. But it's all tied together in perfection, in light. And that's why you always want to, I know we encourage everyone that listens to this and to even ourselves, is that you always want to create and be constantly a creator in your world from the energy of that, in this case, the white horse. And everything else that you seek out of the other three will follow suit. Yes, you know, but people don't, people refuse to see that. They're like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. You know, you're telling me I have to be this spiritual <laughs> being first and then I'll get all the other things that I want. And it's like, well, it's not so much that you'll get all the things you want. You'll realize you never needed them in the first right. place or you will have exactly what you needed um, because you're operating on that higher level. So that's what I love about these four steps versus um, the more, crucial definition of the four steps to the lesser stone and alchemy is that these are sort of this like i like how you just the my favorite thing you just said is that look down what horse are you on because right. <laughs> that's exactly right they're kind of putting it on pretty thick onto you in this in this case as far as like having to decipher what the principles are or the meaning behind um the stage you might be in in life these horses kind of give you a more blunt and more well-rounded and more straightforward definition of like what path have you chosen to stick to or ride ride on and how far is it taking you away from the one that you're supposed to be on at all times you know so yeah it's 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 pretty great i i do like how the bible sort of lays it on thick uh if you're able to right. really sift through the the symbolism that's there and that was left there for every generation that comes across this book um or these many books, I should say, these many, these many, many, many readings that are um, that are uh, written before and after um, interpretations from two different uh, eras in time, you know. Um, but there's some that are just like laid onto you where you, yeah. Um, so yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, I love it, man. And I, one of the things that he he wrote in his lecture as well was. This is just the aspect when you you refuse to limit God. Hmm. And we don't think about that. You know, again, he's the same individual that brought us all the beauty with the golden key. Mm -hmm. And he really talked about, you know, getting yourself out of the way so the real can work through you. And that's exactly what we're doing because we don't realize it when we try to micromanage ourselves and we try to kind of be the arbitrators of our own destiny, um, which is something you need to do. Like, you know, destiny is waiting for all of us, but if you don't get up and move towards it, it's just going to fade away. So you do want to have this active part, but you know, it's not all of it. Yeah. And it's not, you know, and recognizing sometimes your activity is working against you and that's the stuff we don't see. And that's why, again, when we talk about spiritual progress, it's not everything you do, but it's what you don't do. And we do have this tendency through indoctrination, 
through the lack of belief, through the the true knowing that we are one with the universe, we have this this ability to limit God working through us. That's what we're, I mean, I like to use the word indoctrination. It's funny because that word gets like a such a bad rep, but um, I mean, as it should, but I just don't think people really give it more thought other than just when they hear the word, they kind of go, oh, you're talking about like what someone might have manipulated my thoughts to be from a young age. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Because every decision you made is based in uh, the expectations that society has set up for you to either meet or never meet. And by never meeting them, your connection to something that we all have an access to is completely like so far out of your mind. Cause you're like, no, no, no. I first need to gain status. I first need to gain this kind of wealth. I first need to make sure that I like what I see in the mirror. I got to make sure that, and then by not having those things at an immediate request, you are riding that pale horse right away because you're now living in fear at all times. It's like, oh, that guy's operating in a certain way that I can't really connect to him. Like, don't, you don't want to. That guy's operating in a way that he was told from either a young age or somewhere along the line, unfortunately, that if he doesn't, this is the consequence. When the consequence is you just presenting that to yourself mm -hmm. you're like oh i don't have this therefore i am a piece of shit and it's like whoa 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 we just talked about how i am is so powerful like right. why yeah. are you calling yourself right. that well it's because i'm not seeing the result that i want you mean the result that was presented to you as it means to the end by someone else because mm -hmm. if that's something that you feel inside you weren't born feeling that way no baby is born going like man i better have a louis, a louis vuitton like yeah you know, backpack or else I'm nothing. It's like, no, what? You know, that's all inherited or just learned along the way, but it gets you further and further away from operating at that level that um, we should all be operating. And it, it even um, the problem with indoctrination is it, it without you knowing it, it keeps you so far away from reaching this like higher sense, this higher uh, ground that we should all be going for. Um, from such a young age. So to get there takes, you know, a ton of, you know, uh, tribulation and, 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 and just like, of course, you're going to have all these issues come up from the consequences of not knowing better, but it doesn't have to be like that. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. So yeah, it's interesting. I, I it's something I wanted to say about indoctrination because I've heard more than a few people kind of like turn away from that word because they think, oh no, I'm not living in some oppressed society. I'm like, dude, I can tell you right now that I was indoctrinated because half the things that I went for, whether it was like a career or it was, you know, uh, a relationship that didn't work out, were all based on things that I'm like, oh, you're supposed to have these things in this order. And if not, then I guess you're doing it all wrong. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, or even just like, you know, I remember when like 9 11 happened. Um, or, you know, whatever happened that day. And I just remember going and like asking people, like, why would they do this? And people would just like, the quote they gave me is they're jealous, you know? And I was indoctrinated. Like, I mean, I was kind of an idiot back then. So I was like, right. oh, wow, they're jealous of us. And then like, it took me a couple of years to be like, what? We have military bases on their country. We're like, you know, we put in the Shah in Iran, like we've stolen all these resources from these people and like all these things. And then like, you get further down the line and you're like, Oh, wait a second. There's a lot more to this story. Um, a lot more to that story than we, um, could ever assume. But like, I was indoctrinated to believe that, like, they were jealous 
of uh, like they weren't jealous. You know, you go down there to this day and you show people in Afghanistan pictures of 9-11. They don't even know what it is. Yeah. Right. So like there's a disconnect there, surely, um, with what really happened and what we were told. But that's beyond the point. The aspect is I was indoctrinated to believe that junk. Right. That was junk. Like had nothing to do with the situation. You know what I mean? The, if anything, the probably the fundamentalist religious, if there was fundamentalist extremists that were a part of that, I'm not saying there was, they more feel pity for us because they're like, oh, this is a lost nation. Like this is a, they worship money and for celebrities, sure. you know? Um, and again, I'm not justifying, I never justify anything that, you know, takes lives. But the the idea that I was indoctrinated to believe that or just all the crazy stuff that you get told that you just like take in for facts. Well, the things you don't know about become completely amplified and biased based on like that initial indoctrination. Like I remember it took years before you could say anything finishing with the word Akistan. So you got Pakistan, you got Afghanistan, you got mm -hmm. you know, all, it didn't matter at all. Like to anybody who was to believe, you know, that there is a good and then there's the bad. Mm-hmm they all got lumped together into bad. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I remember meeting my first friend from Pakistan uh, and uh, and I remember he was just like, kind of trying to tell people in a very confused way. This is when we were uh, at ASU and I remember mm -hmm. this kid was just like, I have to tell people like, I have, I'm not a terrorist. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. I thought he was kidding. And I was uh -huh. like, and he's like, no, no, I'm telling you right now, like I've, met people in class and they, they, they kind of joke. I'm like, well, they're, they're probably just busting uh -huh. your chops. They probably don't really mean it. But he was more afraid that people would even think that. And I said, no, man, you should be afraid because this is a very ignorant country you're in that can kind of- that camp that can Yeah, that can lump things like that. Just sure. like on a macro size. So there's no mm -hmm. like sifting through it and getting down to the bottom of it, mm -hmm. especially uh, a campus like, you know, Arizona you. State. You. Oh, you. awful. Awesome. uh doo doo but um and they still i get because like at school they're like hey you know friday's casual day you can wear like a university t-shirt like you went to asu why don't you wear your shirt i'm like i still owe them parking money why would i why would i wear their t-shirt like i want a reverse scholarship <laughs> oh my at this god point. that's so funny dude. yeah i'm like yeah. maybe you can get me like maybe i'll get like a hogwarts t-shirt yeah. or something but i just can't think of like unless it's like a classical education school i'm like i can't think of any university at this point that's not just you know creating polarization and yeah. divide and conquer, you know, and not really reporting real science and this bullshit, you know, we could be doing so much better with alternative technologies for energy. And we're choosing to spray chemicals up in the air and try to block the sun. Like, it's just like, so black horse, pale horse dominated right yep. now. Um, so but I digress. We've been I've been speaking for way too long today. So no, no, man. I I, I love it. I, I really do appreciate um uh every time I hear your perspective on anything that we study because you know it resonates so well, but it also gives me such like warmth to know uh, no matter what century you're in, these conversations that we're having right now are conversations that were already had before us and hopefully will come after us. And rather than in writing, they'll be in these audio recordings. Uh, so hello to you, future people. To the future. <laughs> but um, but no, so, so talk all you want because then I, I can sort of like get myself 
um, you know, just stand by and listen to you when I've already kind of made up in my mind, like, oh, this is exactly what they're laying on to us or to the society of that time. And so, yeah, man, no, don't. I I think it's important that we that we speak about this like this, and and, and if it's a rant, then so be it because. You know, it's as important as it was then as it is now. So, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's timeless. Yeah. It is timeless. It is timeless. And so, you got to make sure we just get people to, um, you know, unbury their heads that are in the sand, you know, and, uh, and that's very hard to do. I, you know, you think it's just like a, a quick tap on the shoulder to have them pull out, you know, but it's not, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, well, it's not that easy. I mean, it, it can be that easy. Right, right. But, you if, know, it's difficult, too, for the aspect because, like, just like within our community, everybody is just the cat's pajamas, right? And I love everybody who listens. So then, like, we get almost blinded by, like, that optimism because, like, everybody who shoots messages on Instagram, anybody we've connected with, even the people we, like, physically met, like, every time I've met somebody that from the podcast, I'm like, you're my favorite person ever. Like, I love you. And they're like great individuals who yes. are all on these like character development. Yeah. So I think we get spoiled because we've got like, like everybody you meet is like the Fonz, you know, and they're just like really cool and they like make you happy and stuff. And they like could hit the karaoke machine to get it started. And then you go onto the outside and then like you just see a bunch of flamingos with their heads in their grounds and Pretty their butts much. in the air. And you're like, what's going on here? Yeah. No, and we always have to thank the fans for that. I do like that. You're absolutely right. It does make that sort of like... It's like positive blinders. And and that's something actually that we wanted to say on the podcast that I want to talk to you about um, is that, you know, in the next season, and we'll, we'll break down more about what we're going to bring into the next season on the final episode, which is next week. But one thing I definitely want to start doing is like at least reading th- two or three, you know, fan uh, or just, you know, great individuals as you're talking about. Uh, perspective on either an episode or just give them, you know, a nod to their um, dedication to following these principles. So it's something that I didn't know we would do, but I hope we can do that in the next season where at the end we just sort of go like, hey, this is from so-and-so and and this is what they have to say. Because that way you, the listener who's sitting there, um, you know, if you're one individual, at least, you know, what we're seeing from our perspective, which is like how many more of you are out there and mm-hmm. how many more of us are out there and how that oneness that we preach or not really necessarily preach, but discuss about on this podcast is very much alive and mm-hmm. beating well. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think we got to share that with them, you know, to know mm-hmm. like, Hey, there's so many of you out there that are saying, um, some pretty great things. So. Yeah, yeah, I once a day open up the Instagram and like I get to the point where I want to throw up my mind so blown. Like with like some of these interpretations that these people that these that these individuals send over, it's just like man, or the story of where they are. Like what's crazy is like I'm 33 uh-huh. and it's it's incredible incredible to see individuals on their path at, you know as early as like their teens or 20s and they're like hey this is what happened and i realized that i'm on this step of life right now which is what you guys talked about i'm uh-huh. like what's happening right now right. i'm just like how do you you're so advanced you know it took me so long so um you know hats off to all those advanced individuals that are just like seeking out what to do in order to live a better more fulfilled life so that's it's awesome man it's really yeah, cool all the love all the love um well cool man anything else you want to add to it no no man i think this is a, a great conversation so i think 
Until next time. I think until next time. Okay, until next time. One more to go.